It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another edition of the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cole Thompson, back in the driver's seat, and we're talking all things Texas A&M here today. Last week's Monday episode was a little different because of they were on a bye week. So we really couldn't talk about what happened the week before because well, there really wasn't a game. This week, however, we definitely can. Alabama comes to town and it is a good, good matchup. But it's Alabama and the Crimson Tide were able to roll past the Aggies 47-28. to Tua Tungabailoa, 293 passing yards. Four touchdowns on the day. Kellen Mond really had a good game. He really impressed overall. 24 of 42 for 264 passing yards. Three total touchdowns. He'd also rush for 90 yards on the day. But overall, I think this says more about what Alabama is and exactly what type of team they truly are. Because of what we've seen right now is a very dangerous Alabama team that looks nearly impossible to stop. But what we can say at the same time is Texas A&M made some improvements. They did some very nice things. And one especially amazing thing that they were able to do is something that no other team in the SEC or this entire season has been able to do against Tua Tagovailoa. Probably your Heisman frontrunner. But before we start talking about them, we're going to go around the SEC, get you caught up on what you might have missed this weekend as we head over to Athens, Georgia, of all places. And a game that probably should have not happened ended up playing just in favor of the Gamecocks. Uh, Ryan Helensky would leave the game with a leg injury. He is not expected to play uh, for at least a week or two, but he would finish 15-20 with one touchdown for 118 yards. Jake Fromm, struggling, struggled hard, 28-51 of 51 for 295 yards. He threw a touchdown, but he also threw three interceptions in that dangerous run game that we've talked about in the past. 173 rushing yards, one touchdown. That came from their lead team uh, leading rusher, DeAndre Swift, 113 yards on the ground for him. And then in the end, Rodrigo Blankenship, probably the one kicker you want to rely on the most in the SEC. He would miss a chip shot in double overtime that would lead to a 20-17 South Carolina win. Easily the biggest win in Will Muschamp's tenure as the Gamecocks head coach. This could be something that we talk about later on, especially if Holinsky can come back and be healthy. This Texas A&M-South Carolina game just got interesting. As we head on up to Neyland Stadium, Tennessee taking on Mississippi State. Both teams struggling early this season. One needing a massive win to at least bring some hope back to the program. And boy, did the Volunteers show up. Tim Jordan, 15-yard touchdown run to begin the game. Brett Samaglia would make two field goals, one from 49 yards out, one from 22 yards out. And then Jared Guantano coming back in to play quarterback. 39-yard touchdown pass to Tyler Bird nearing the end of the game. 235 left. That would give Tennessee the 22-10 victory over the Bulldogs. Mississippi State now coming in at 3-3. Three three. They will face AM in two weeks, 11 o'clock kick, out at Kyle Field and College Station. Heading over to Nashville, where Vanderbilt is expected to come in and play a 1-4 UNLV team and pick up a victory. 
And that did not happen. Keyshawn Vaughn, four-yard touchdown run to begin the game. That was about it on offense. Daniel Gutierrez with a 44-yard field goal. You also then had a Randall Grimes 63-yard pass from Kenyon Obala to give UNLV the 17-7 lead. A Riley Guy 48-yard field goal bringing it in 17-10. But a Noah Bean five-yard touchdown cast from Obalad gave them a 24-10 lead. That was just pretty much the end of it. UNLV would continue to score 34-10. Derek Mason on the ropes, 1-5 for the Commodores. Heading into the midway point of the season, and it's not going to get any easier for them. We're going to head up to Columbia, Missouri, and this was a game that I personally thought was going to be in much favor of Missouri, but Ole Miss, they came to play using a two-quarterback system with John Reese Plumley, who's been playing for an injured Matt Coral, who now is also back. Both saw playing time this past week. Scotty Phillips, 21-yard touchdown pass from Plumley to give the Rebels a 7-0 lead. But the Tigers would bounce back, and they would answer with a Tyler Battle 17-yard touchdown pass from Kelly Bryant. That would then lead to a Larry Fontry 40-yard touchdown run to give the Tigers an 18-7 lead. Tucker McCann with the 39-yard field goal going to the third quarter. Dawson Downing comes back with a 54-yard run. And then Elijah Moore tries to get this team back in the game. 28-yard touchdown pass from Plumlee to Moore. That would make it 28-14. But a Larry Roundtree one-yard touchdown run right before the start of the fourth quarter gave the Tigers a 35-14 lead. And by then, even with a 40-yard touchdown run from Plumlee, it wasn't enough. Kelly Bryant finishes 25 of 35 for one touchdown, 329 passing yards. Tigers move into the top 25 as number 22. They're coming in right now at 5-1 on the year. Working our way over to Lexington, the Kentucky Wildcats taking on Arkansas. Both these teams really needing that big-time win in order to show promise of the program. Well, for one team, it definitely started out pretty strongly. Rakeem Boyd, 74-yard touchdown run on the first drive to give Arkansas a 7-0 lead. Connor Limpet would make a 28-yard field goal and then a 44-yard field goal to give the Razorbacks a 13-0 lead before Lynn Bowden Jr. three-yard touchdown run made it 13-7. Here come the Wildcats. 50-yard field goal from Matt Ruffalo right before the half, and then you had a Lynn Bowden Jr. 10-yard touchdown pass to Cleveland Thomas Sr. to give them a 17-13 lead. This would go all the way down to the wire. With 10 minutes left in the game, Rakeem Boyd, two-yard touchdown run, 20-17 lead. Here come the Razorbacks, but not so fast. Lynn Bowden Jr. once again does it with his legs, finishes with a 24-yard touchdown run, 7-11 of 11 for 78 passing yards, but leads the team in rushing with 196 on the ground. Kentucky moves on to 3-3, three three, while Arkansas moves to 2-4 and four on the season. Both teams have three losses, though, in the SEC. That could come back to bite them later on. And, of course, the game of the night, the game everyone was looking forward to, and a game that did not disappoint. LSU, Baton Rouge, taking on the number seven Florida Gators. Guess what? This was one to watch. Nine-yard touchdown pass from Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase gave the Tigers a 7-0 lead, but Trayvon Grimes answered from Kyle Trask, Five-yard touchdown pass, tied up at the end of the first quarter. Moving on to the second, Justin Jefferson, seven-yard touchdown pass from Joe Burrow. Then you have LaMichael Pirine, a one-yard touchdown pass from Emory Jones on a play that probably should have been intercepted, 
by LSU. Instead, bounces into P. Ryan's hands. Tied back up at 14 apiece. Going into halftime with four seconds left. Van Jefferson, six-yard pass completed from Kyle Trask. Give the team a 21-all lead going into halftime. Coming back out, Florida coming hot, ready to compete. Two-yard touchdown pass from Trask to Jefferson. Give the Gators a 28-21 lead. Here comes LSU. A Clyde Edwards-Haley five-yard touchdown run. Tying the game back up. Then LSU keeps the ball rolling. Tyrion Davis-Price, 33-yard touchdown run. Joe Burrow, 21-24, 293 passing yards for three total touchdowns. LSU getting the 42-28 victory over Florida Gators. They move to number two behind Alabama in the new AP rankings. That matchup happens in just several weeks out in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Good luck, Alabama. This is going to be a game nobody is going to want to miss. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to discuss everything that went right and everything that went wrong this past weekend for Texas A&M and what to expect as they prepare for Ole Miss. This is Locked on Aggies for Cole Thompson. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Talking all things Texas A&M, Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat for another week discussing everything that you need to know about your favorite Texas A&M Aggies. Guess what, guys? The season that we knew, we knew it was going to happen. And here's the thing. It's okay. It really is. When the AP poll came out this year at the start of the preseason... For this AM team to potentially play five top ten opponents, which is still plausible because they've already faced a number one Clemson, they faced a number seven Auburn, they faced a number one Alabama. If Alabama beats LSU, LSU probably doesn't move outside the top ten. They just probably don't. If Georgia wins out, against Florida too, they're going to be still top 10 despite their loss this weekend. And also if LSU wins out, they're going to be number one. So there's still a chance for AM to face five top 10 opponents this year. If they're able to still get two wins on the year against Georgia and maybe even take down the number one LSU team at the time, maybe they're number five, I don't know. You're asking a pretty big deal because... We're talking about right now LSU, who moved up to number two in the rankings this past week. They have played two top ten opponents and won both those games. Are they going to be able to continue to do that? Because they still have to face off against the number one Alabama. And it doesn't look like Alabama's slowing down right now. And especially when you look at who they're playing in their next two games, which is Tennessee and Arkansas, before the LSU game, with the bye week coming up. They're probably going to be number one. Is LSU going to be able to do that three times in a season? Because if they are, they definitely deserve to be number one. But back to AM. AM has the pieces to be a very good football team. And at the end of the day, that's all you want to see is progress. I wrote earlier this past weekend, and it was featured on SportsIllustrated.com. 
there's always next season for a team like A&M. And the, the phrase, wait till next year, sometimes gets redundant. But wait till next year. Especially if Kellen Mond returns. And Courtney Davis returns. And Kendrick Rogers returns. And Jamon Osmond returns. Now you have a more veteran unit there. You have guys who are, have been playing together for years, working together. Plus you have now rookies. Jalen Weidemeyer, who we're going to talk about in about five seconds. Another fantastic game. Aeneas Smith looks great. Damani Richardson in the secondary played phenomenal. If this AM team can be a veteran team, next year is the whole win now storyline. And that's a given because if there's so much veteran talent on that team that if they don't win now, they're not going to win. But 3-3 three and three with three losses to all top 10 opponents is okay. And let me explain why it's okay. Because when the committee looks back, if A&M can win out and go 9-3 and three on the year, defeating Georgia and defeating LSU, which is going to be a tough task, but if they can, and Auburn... Maybe has one more loss. They finish 10-2. and two. Clemson goes undefeated and Alabama goes undefeated. There's still a team that could justifiably be a better 9-3 and three team than maybe someone like Florida who would also lose out to teams such as Georgia. Or even Georgia, a 9-3 and three team. You could say that they're a better 9-3 and three team because Georgia would lose to Florida and A&M. The pieces are there for AM to be a true contender for the future. And we saw the best game of football from them we've seen all season. They were competitive. They played tough. They made plays. They executed. There were th- three or four drives that were frustrating. There was two three and outs. One right after... Alabama responded from the touchdown at the beginning by Kellen Mond. That you're like, we just scored. Why are we going back to things that we already knew? There was that one. And then there was one in the third quarter uh, on, on the opening drive for AM where they went three and out again. And you just thought it was over. Besides that, you have to give it up for what we saw. And for me, Kellen Mond is the hero of the game. Because one thing you want to see is your quarterback when he's down and when people are considering him out, for him to make a statement. And that's exactly what he did. In my opinion, Mond's performance, although he didn't get the win, was what exactly AM fans needed to see. Here you have a tough son of a gun staying in the pocket making the right reads, still overshooting his target from time to time, but doing things at the right level to help build the team's progress moving forward. Anyone who still believes that Kellen Mond is the problem with AM this season does not know what they're talking about. Because the only reason AM even stayed competitive in that game late was because... Of Kellen Mond. It's all about that run game. You hate seeing a quarterback 
be your leading rusher. And the problem is, is that when Spiller shined on the first drive, he had 25 yards. It looked promising. It looked like, okay, this is the what we expected from him. He got four more yards the entire game. And Jacob Cabote did nothing. You have to have that stability between the two running backs. Both finished with 25 yards, 35 yards, and 70 total yards on the ground. That's at least progress moving forward. But you can't have one running back take the step forward and another one take a step back. And that's been the problem all season. Is the inconsistency of the run game, number one, but the inconsistency of both running backs. If both finished with 30, 40 yards on the day, it's better than seeing one finish with 60 yards and the other finish with negative two. I'd much rather see a balanced offense than Kellen Mond having to run the entire game. Not just because the offensive line has not been doing great, but because more so he's the only person who's going to get pick up that first down. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about one freshman I want to call out in particular. Really two, but one on each side of the ball. Both guys have really impressed. One made a play that is definitely going to be a little more worthy of talking about, I think, than the other one. But both are the future of this program, and both have really impressed. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. But first, here's a word from our sponsors. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat, talking about everything Alabama, Texas A&M, what we saw this past week, what we saw over the weekend. Here's something that you can take away as a major positive for the future of the program and something that's going to go down for Texas A&M as a huge win, especially if this is going to be announced later in December. During the second quarter, Tua Tungabailoa was driving once again, and he really wanted to put the game away. This would have given Alabama a 50-pointer game, and they would have continued to score 50 points, something that they've done all season. But Tua forced a ball towards Jerry Judy in the end zone, and Damani Richardson came up big in the secondary, got the interception, returned at 15 yards, First red zone interception for Tungavailoa this year. First interception for Tungavailoa this year. First turnover for Tungavailoa this year. When a freshman is making plays like that on a guy who everyone is expecting to be a top three NFL draft pick and a future franchise quarterback for an NFL program, that's got to feel good for the program. Mike Elko has to be beaming that they have a guy like Richardson in that backfield. Because I don't know many freshmen who have made plays like the one he did. At the same time, Judy is arguably the best wide receiver prospect in college football. I think you can argue maybe him, T. Higgins from Clemson, who A&M has already faced, and maybe Henry Ruggs. That's about it. Oh, and CeeDee Lamb. That's fair. C.D. Lamb's on in that list, too. Besides them, I don't know who else you argue. And Richardson was able to get him to miscommunicate with his quarterback, and it led to a, an interception and the first of the season for Alabama. If that's Tungavailoa's only interception of the season, which I don't think it will be, but I definitely don't see him throwing six the way he's doing it, 
that is a massive win for the program. That's a massive win for Richardson. And that's at least going to have some positive feedback for the future. Richardson is still third on the team in tackles. He now has interceptions. He has three pass deflections on the year. Not many 18-year-olds can come into an SEC program and do what he's done. And when you see that, you usually see that from powerhouses like Alabama, or you see that from maybe a Georgia or a Florida. You don't see that at A&M. So for A&M to have a guy doing that, especially in the secondary, he's the real deal. And that's a guy who we're going to continue to watch over the next two, three, four years and hopefully see him develop into the next great safety because he's dangerous. He's a great open field tackler. And at the same time, he's also an awesome, awesome player in coverage. I've been very impressed with him. But another guy I've been very impressed with is a guy who probably wasn't even going to start at the beginning of the season. Everyone thought that Baylor Cup five-star prospect tight end was going to be that guy. And unfortunately, a leg injury derailed his entire 2019 campaign. He was ruled out during fall camp. So Jalen Weidemeyer has stepped up immensely for the Aggies this season. I mean, don't get me wrong. You want to see more production from a starting caliber tight end. But his numbers... They're not bad. They're not like, oh, I'm a freshman making freshman mistakes. When he's targeted, he's getting a lot of the plays. Right now on the season, he only has nine catches. He has 105 yards, and he has four touchdowns. I'm just saying, most freshmen you see don't put up those numbers. I mean, you look at Aeneas Smith, another true freshman... 14 receptions, 182 yards, three touchdowns. Weidemeyer's doing less, and he has more touchdowns. If he can continue to be that red zone threat for AM, he's going to be able to pick up the pieces and probably score against teams like Georgia and against teams like LSU and make it another competitive game. Right now, that's the biggest clue word that we're going to end the show with today is competitiveness. The team we saw on Saturday afternoon is the team I want to see more of moving forward. Because if that team continues to come out, make plays, and do what they're doing, especially on offense, they're at least going to be competitive. And again, five potential top 10 teams. In one season. You win two of them, you have a good year. You win three of them, you have a great year. You win four of them, you have a tremendous year. You win five of them, I don't think there's a doubt in my mind. Anyone could argue you are in the college football playoff, number one. You are the number one seed, number two. And you're probably going to win it all. They win two games. The last two. And they still have a shot. It's a good year for AM. 
That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you're following us on social media. You can follow the Sports Illustrated page, Aggie Maven, which is now partnered with Locked On Aggies. That is at Aggies SI. You can follow me on social media, at Mr. Cole Thompson. I love taking answers. I love getting feedback from fans. And when we come back tomorrow's show, we're going to break down Coach Fisher's press conference for Monday. We're going to listen to what some of the players had to say as they prepare to get back on the winning ways against Ole Miss. We'll see you soon. And game, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.